You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. The next important event that happened after the Battle of Badr is the death of Ruqayya, the daughter of the Prophet Most scholars historically believe that Ruqayya is the biological daughter of the Prophet through his wife Khadija. There are some scholars who have raised doubt and they've said it seems from historical clues that she's the stepdaughter of the Prophet and she wasn't his biological daughter but most scholars Shia scholars I'm saying, Sunni scholars of course they believe that she's the biological daughter of the Prophet, but most Shia scholars have asserted that she is the biological daughter of the Prophet Ruqayya was married in Mecca to one of the sons of Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab the uncle of the Prophet, so she was married to her cousin. This was normal in Quraysh in Mecca. Now after Abu Lahab displayed his enmity, towards the Prophet the Prophet was no longer comfortable with Ruqayya being under the guardianship of a mushrik, of someone who's openly attacking the religion of Islam, so they were divorced. Now why they were divorced? Scholars have multiple opinions. Some scholars believe Abu Lahab told his son to divorce her because he wanted to disgrace the Prophet, I have nothing to do with this man. I don't want his daughter for my son. Some scholars believe no, it's the Prophet who welcomed the idea because Ruqayya was a believer in Allah and he did not want to keep a Muslim, a Muslim woman who believed in God under the guardianship of a mushrik. So the Prophet he asked for them to be separated. There are two perspectives here. In any case, after she was divorced from the son of Abu Lahab, who married her? Uthman ibn Affan. Uthman came from the elite, powerful Umayyah tribe in Quraysh. And so by having Uthman marry her, that encouraged the Umayyads to stop their conspiracies against the Prophet, against Islam, and to encourage them to kind of be at peace with the Prophet So she did marry Uthman. Now, the important event that happens after bed is that she passes away. She dies in the year 2 of the Hijrah. There are a number of opinions here. Sunni scholars have two opinions. The first opinion says she died in the month of Ramadan when the Prophet was actually at the Battle of Badr. She, she was back in Medina and she died. In fact, some, some of their narrations state the same day that the Muslims achieved victory, the 17th of Ramadan, that's the day that she passed away. Other Sunni scholars say no, this happened a couple of months later or three months later in the Hijjah or in Muharram of that year. Most Shia scholars believe she passed away after Badr. So it wasn't right at Badr, after the Prophet finished from the Battle of Badr, he came back to Medina, then days later she passed away. Now, history tells us that Uthman stayed back in Medina and he did not attend the Battle of Badr. Uthman was not one of the Badris, he did not attend the Battle of Badr. Why? 
I'll tell you the Sunni perspective and then we'll talk about the Shia perspective. Basically the Sunni version of why Uthman stayed back behind and he did not attend the battle of Bad is because his wife Ruqayya, the daughter of the Prophet, became ill with measles type of disease and he really wanted to attend the battle of Bad. He came to the Prophet, he told him, you're going to Bad, I want to join you. The Prophet said, no, your wife is ill and I want you to stay behind to take care of her. So Uthman with a heavy heart, he started crying, you know, for not going out with the Prophet and he stayed behind and he was so loving and gentle with Ruqayya and he took care of her until she passed away. When she passed away, he took her to the Baqi and he basically prepared her for the burial. All this time the Prophet was not present in Medina because the Prophet was out during the battle of Badr. So this is the Sunni perspective on why Uthman stayed behind in Medina and he didn't go out with the Prophet to participate in the battle of Badr and how he was so caring and loving and he really helped her through her disease until she died. What's our Shia perspective? We the Shias, we find these claims dubious that this is the reason why Uthman stayed behind and that he was really so loving and caring for, for Ruqayya. Academically, let's see why. First of all, if that's the real reason why Uthman stayed back in Medina to care for Ruqayya at the request of the Prophet, why is it that some companions like Abdul Rahman ibn Auf and also Ibn Mas'ud, why is it that they blamed Uthman for not attending bed and they would bring it up to his face, like it's in your face, you did not attend bed, we were at bed, you weren't. They would constantly bring this up, especially Ibn Mas'ud. You know, he would tell him, I, I attended bed, but not you. In fact, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf openly condemned Uthman. Let's not say the word condemned, but he blamed him or rebuked him for not attending Badr. If he was acting on the instruction of the Prophet, the Prophet is telling him, my, my daughter is sick, stay behind and help her. Is this something you would rebuke him for? Of course not. He's simply implementing the order of the Prophet. He's obeying the Prophet's instructions. So the fact that Abdul Rahman ibn Auf and some others kind of rebuked Uthman, right? Or they would say it in his face that he did not attend bed. What does that indicate? The command wasn't that, wasn't the that indicates this was not the reason why he stayed back behind. Because if it was clear that the Prophet asked him, obviously that's something that you would honor and respect. In fact, you would praise him for that. Uthman, may Allah bless you. You obeyed the Prophet So we know Probably there was no such instruction from the Prophet and probably that's not the reason why he stayed back behind. Even though he claimed that was the reason later on, but that was just an excuse. That was not the real reason. And so this is one piece of clue. Well, I'm not saying that this is like, you know, clear evidence. These are clues that we're, we're gathering and that's why we find the Sunni perspective dubious. And by the way, Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his Musnad, he narrates. You know, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf and ibn Mas'ud basically rebuking um, Uthman for not attending Bad. Secondly, we have hadiths from Sunni sources that Ruqayya died after Badr, not at Badr. 
For instance, an Nawawi, he states that Ruqayya died in the month of the Hijjah. Badr happened in which month? In which month? Ramadan. Ramadan is the ninth month. The Hijjah is the twelfth month. So how many months after Badr? Three months. Whereas that Sunni perspective is saying what? She died at Badr when the Prophet was in the month of Ramadan. He was at the battle of Badr. So now we've got some discrepancy here. When did she die? In the month of Ramadan when the Prophet was out for the battle of Badr or this is three months later in the Hijjah. We also have Ibn Qutaybah, Ibn Qutaybah, the Sunni scholar and historian, he says she died exactly one year and 10 months and 20 days after the migration of the Prophet. He gives an exact date for her death. One year, 10 months and 20 days after the migration of the Prophet, Ruqayya passed away. So when you calculate that date, it's around Muharram which is in line with an nawawis testimony that she died in the Hajjah which is the 12th month because the Hajjah and Muharram are very close. So that means it must have been at least three months after Badr. So these are two Sunni scholars who are saying Ruqayya died three months after Badr, three or four months after Badr. This is the second reason why we doubt you know the, the, the claim that uh, Uthman stayed back to help Ruqayya and that she died while the Prophet was away. Because we have Sunni scholars who are saying, no, she didn't die in the month of Ramadan, she died three or four months later. So that's the second piece of evidence. The third piece of evidence, we have hadiths in Sunni sources that indicate the Prophet did attend her burial. He was at her burial. When she was being buried and she was being placed in her grave, the Prophet was there. Whereas that first perspective claims what? Uthman is the one who went and he buried her, the Prophet was still at Badr. When the Prophet came back to Medina, he heard that Ruqayya has passed away and Uthman has buried her. See, look, there's a lot of discrepancies here now, which tells you these are dubious claims. So Ibn Sa'd in his Tabaqat, the famous historian, the Sunni scholar Ibn Sa'd and other historians have mentioned that when Ruqayya passed away, the Prophet said, Uthman ibn Mad'un. Go and join Uthman ibn Mad'un. Uthman ibn Mad'un was a righteous companion of the Prophet He had died before that and he was you know one of the companions who achieved the satisfaction of Allah and the Prophet and he went to paradise. So the Prophet as he was burying her, what did he tell her? He spoke to her body and he told her, Ruqayya, go and join Uthman ibn Mad'un. Now this is an indication that the Prophet was at the burial or he wasn't. He was at the burial. So we have, you know, evidence that the Prophet was at the burial. By the way, interestingly, when the Prophet said that, the, the women who were present there, they started crying on Ruqayya. At that point, Umar ibn al-Khattab, he came and he started beating them and he told them, you know, you have no right to cry. Fatima was also sitting by the grave of Ruqayya, that's her sister, and she was crying. And the Prophet kept wiping her tears. And subhanAllah, the Prophet is wiping the tears of Fatima and Umar is threatening those women and he was actually trying to beat them. Same. Yes. 
Yes, she she was older. Yes, she was born before Islam, whereas Lady Fatima was born after the Batha. So Lady Fatima was the youngest of her sisters. Even if we assume they were her biological sisters, she was the youngest, and she was the only one who survived after the Prophet. All of her sisters they passed away during the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So two of them. Well, there is Um Kulthum, Zainab, and Ruqayya. Three of them. Yes. And all of them passed away during the time of the Prophet Now Al-Waqidi, the Sunni scholar, he's like, wait a minute, I can't accept this hadith because Ruqayya died when? When the Prophet was at Badr in the month of Ramadan, whereas this is claiming the Prophet was there. See subhanAllah how he's twisting it, the, uh, twisting it the other way. He's like, I reject this hadith because I believe Ruqayya died in the month of Ramadan when the Prophet was away. Well, why can't you say the other argument? Why can't you say that those claims that she died in Ramadan are dubious because you have hadiths that state the Prophet was there? But see, they, they twisted around. Another piece of evidence here is that Al-Hakim Al-Naysaburi in his book Al-Mustadrak, he says, I'm narrating a hadith that is sahih by the standards of a shaykhain by the standards of Bukhari and also Muslim. Or actually, he might say that this is sahih according to the standards of Muslim. He narrates this hadith from Anas ibn Malik, the companion of the Prophet. He says, When Ruqayya, the daughter of the Prophet, passed away, the Prophet was standing by her grave and he said the following. We mentioned this in Nahj al-Balagha. La yadkhulul qabra rajulun the Prophet was very clear that no man who slept with his woman or one hadith says his slave or let's say his wife, whatever. Ahl is general according to this hadith, even though other <coughs> hadiths indicate it was his female slave. No man who slept with his woman yesterday is allowed to come in the grave of Ruqayya. And who was he hinting at? Uthman. <coughs> the Prophet politely was telling Uthman, get out of here. You have no right to come to the grave of Ruqayya and to participate in the burial. Now this is significant for a number of reasons. In Islamic law, who's the one who has the greatest right to his wife when it comes to the burial? And, bring, and taking her in her grave and making overseeing the burial process? The husband. See, it's an Islamic law that the husband has a greater right to his wife in these matters than her father, than her brothers, than anyone else. But the Prophet denied Uthman this right, he's the one who handled her barrier and in fact he told him get out of here. Why? So first of all this Sahih Hadith according to Al-Mustadrak who says it's Sahih according to the standards of Muslim is indicating the Prophet was there. So this contradicts the Sunni perspective that says the Prophet wasn't there and that Uman, Uthman stayed back behind and she died when the Prophet was away. No, he was there. In fact, he said this statement at her gravesite. Secondly, why did the Prophet ask Uthman to leave? Even Bukhari narrates that the Prophet was present at her burial. And this is a hadith that he narrates from Anas and basically Anas you know, said the same words that I shared with you, that the one who slept with his wife, he should not be here. Ahmad ibn Hanbal has also narrated this. 
لا يد لا يدخل لا يدخل القبر رجل قارف أهله. Very clear hadiths in Sunni books. Now some people have claimed that this hadith in Bukhari is referring to Um Kulthum, the other daughter of the Prophet, not Ruqayya, but this is um, unfounded. This is not acceptable. We shall see later how Um Kulthum passed away. So this is clearly about Ruqayya. Anas in these hadiths is clearly saying, They're like, oh, it's a typo. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe he meant Um Kulthum. No, it's clear hadith that's talking about Ruqayya. Why are you assuming that he made a mistake? Now, I want to share with you some funny, interesting justifications that Sunni scholars have mentioned about why the Prophet asked Uthman not to participate in the burial and not to go in the grave, even though Islamically he does have the right. Listen to this, and you be the judge, really. One of them says, look, when you are going in the grave and you're burying a dead person, it's not appropriate for you to do that when you've just slept with your wife. It's just not appropriate and basically the reason why it's not appropriate because as you're burying her you could have some thoughts. I don't want to be too explicit but basically you will have sexual thoughts and it's not appropriate. The Prophet doesn't want Uthman who just slept with his woman to come in the grave and as he's burying her he's having all these thoughts in his mind. Is this a valid justification? <laughs> Is this a valid justification really? What kind of justification is this? So the Prophet he asked him to leave because of this situation. The second excuse is along the same lines that the shaitan would come to Uthman in the grave and he would remind him of what he did last night. So the Prophet did not want that to happen. The third justification, the Prophet was concerned that because Uthman just came from such an activity, he would be thinking about that and not the burial rites. So the mustahabbat of the burial, the recommended acts of burial, he'll forget them because he's distracted. <laughs> what do you say about these justifications? Just be as academic and you know, fair as you can, I mean, as you can be. Foolish, but how do they justify his actual act that he committed? I like his death. Like it's halal. I've seen some of them, like it's halal. Number two, some of them said, well, he didn't know that she was really dying. That's the, another justification they mentioned. So in any case, they're saying that the Prophet, you know, asked him to leave because he was so distracted that he would not do the mustahabbat of the burial. But come on, do you think the Prophet would actually ask a husband not to participate in the burial of his wife for these reasons? And remember, the Prophet his his job, you know, even though he knows intentions, but his job is to act on the outside appearance. Someone is there and he's showing respect, let him. Now what's in his heart and mind, that's not really something the Prophet has to publicize, right? We don't see that this is the seerah of the Prophet to do that. So it tells you it's much bigger than that. If you have a daughter and your daughter is bearing, being buried, and you're a righteous man, remember this is the Prophet, he's not someone who reacts like emotionally. If you have a daughter and your daughter is being buried and you ban your son-in-law from attending the burial and you kick him out, 
Why would you do something like that? If your son-in-law did what? He was unjust to his wife. If he was abusive, if he had a role in her death, isn't it so? Otherwise, I can't bring myself to accept that the Messenger of Allah, Rahmatan lil Alameen, the one with the best morals, the one who knows Islamic law better than anyone else, that the husband has the greatest right, he would kick him out of the funeral. Unless Uthman did something big. Unless Uthman did something unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable, such that the Prophet denied him the honor of burying his, his daughter. So what, he must have done something big. What is her cause of death? According to so we'll talk about that. We're just looking at this from Sunni perspectives. The Sunnis, of course, they don't admit what the cause of death was. It was a disease, measles, and she died. But when we're doing this historical research, we find these are dubious claims. In fact, we see that the Prophet was angry at Uthman. The fact that he denied him his Islamic right, from participating in the burial, tells us he did something grave. He did something big. Exactly. So what can you do to give up your Islamic right? What can you do? Sleeping with another woman does not give up that right. Because if it wasn't halal, if it was another wife, it was a female slave, okay, he didn't do anything haram. The Prophet will not deny you your Islamic right if you did something that's halal. I mean, it's not like he committed adultery, it was halal. Yeah, it's inappropriate the night that your wife dies, but still that does not absolve you from your right or deny you from your right. What is it that can take away your Islamic right from you? Abuse. If you had a role in her suffering, if you played a role in her death, then yes. In that case, the Prophet will deny him his right. By the way, interestingly, Abu Salah al-Halabi in his book At-Taqrib, he mentions from the book Tariq al-Thaqafi, that once Uthman gave a speech and he was boasting about his position. He's like, am I not the son-in-law of the Prophet? At that point, Aisha responded to him and she told him, and she told him, yes, you were the son-in-law of the Prophet, but we all know what you did to them. I leave you with this statement, but we all know what you did to the daughters, the daughter of the Prophet. What does that tell you? He did something. He definitely did something. When Aisha is rebuking him and she tells him, yeah, of course you're the son of the Prophet, but well, we know what you did to them. He did something. Now, it's not explicitly mentioned in Sunni sources what happened, but in our Shia sources, the following happened, and this is mentioned in the book of Kafi. To make a long story short, Muawiyah ibn al-Mughira, he came from the Umayyads. He was very hostile to the Prophet and the Muslims. In fact, at the Battle of Uhud, he is the one who helped Hind mutilate the body of Hamza. We're talking about a man like that. Basically, because Uthman is from the Umayyad uh, you know, family, once he came to Medina and he sought refuge in the house of Uthman. Ruqayya, the daughter of the Prophet, realized that the enemy of Allah and the Prophet and the Muslims is in her house. So she told Uthman, Uthman, what are you doing? This is unacceptable. This guy's at war with us and you give him refuge in your own house? My father needs to know about this. He's like, don't you dare tell him. Well, Allah sends Jibra'il and Jibra'il tells the Prophet that Uthman is giving refuge to one of the enemies, Muawiyah ibn al-Mughira. So the Prophet exposes this plot. 
he sends the companions to the house of Uthman and they kick him out of the house of Uthman. They tell him to leave Medina. Uthman, what did he think? Who told the Prophet? You know, sometimes it's like they don't believe in Wahi, right? That Allah tells this Prophet. Immediately, who did he accuse? His wife? You, you, Raqayya. You're the one who went and told him. So he started beating her. For days, she, she started beating her so badly, such that towards the last days, she came to the Prophet. This is right after bed. She came to the Prophet, she told him, Ya Rasulullah, look at my body, look at what Uthman had do, has done to me. The Prophet saw the signs of abuse on her body, he broke into tears and she died. This is in the Book of Kafi, this is the Shia perspective, that Uthman through his abuse, you know, he led to the death of Ruqayya. So the fact that he stayed back at the Battle of Bad, really because the Prophet asked him, take care of my daughter, she's sick, this is something that historically cannot be confirmed. In fact, I shared with you the pieces of evidence that state otherwise. We have reasons to doubt this perspective. That Uthman, his real intention in staying back was to avoid the battle, not participating in it, not to be good to his wife. And we have from Sunni sources that the Prophet was upset at him and he took away his Islamic right and he told him, Uthman, leave. You cannot attend this burial and you don't have this right. He did something big. Add to that the statement of Aisha in which she told him, yes you are the son-in-law of the Prophet but what did you to do to his daughter? We all know what you did to his daughter. So there is a lot of evidence that he was abusive and that he played a role in the death of, uh, of, of Ruqayya. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on her. Did she have any children? No, not that I know of. No, she did not have any children. Any other final questions? With uh, the knowledge that he was involved in her murder and the Prophet as a ruler, didn't he punish him or get him arrested? See, there was no evidence, first of all, that Uthman directly killed her. He was abusive, but sometimes in an Islamic court, you have to prove that this person directly killed her. And maybe that evidence was missing, he could have denied it, no, she fell. Who said, I'm the one who abused her, maybe these are, you know, bruises from the disease that she has. He could have easily gotten his way out. And then people would have accused this, the Prophet oh, because it's his daughter, he's violating Islamic law, and he's passing a sentence without enough proof. So the Prophet knew what happened, but in an Islamic court, he didn't have enough evidence to prove that he, he, he actually caused her death. Secondly, Uthman came from the powerful Umayyah tribe. Had the Prophet passed a sentence on him, during those critical days, the entire Umayyad clan would have started a very, very, you know, ugly, bloody battle with the Prophet and this was not in the interest of Muslims. So really the Prophet as a community leader had to just be patient. By the way, subhanAllah, when you see the daughters of the Prophet, it seems all of them were killed. Later on we'll see Umm Kulthum who also played a role in her death. And then finally Lady Fatima alayhi when you hear that the Prophet says, No Prophet has been hurt as much as, as I've been hurt, keep these things in mind. He sees his own daughter suffering before him. Yet for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was patient.
وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله الطاهرين